this, but uh, I get a little fired up sometimes. Amen? And I get fired up because of the life that I have. I know I have life, and I know where my life comes from. I know who holds my life. I know who holds the future of my life. But more importantly, man, I want you to know where your life comes from. And, and listen, the Bible says it comes from Jesus. He is the life. And what you're about to get right now is from Jesus. Amen. And so anytime the word goes forth, the word goes forth and it brings life. The word always goes forth with purpose. So all you have to do today, guys, is, is to receive. You just sit back and receive. Amen. That's all we're called to do. Rest and receive. And so you get that opportunity this morning to receive life how many of you guys wish more life was spoken over you amen yeah anytime you hear you're listening to songs you're watching tv man and all that stuff the news good lord no, listen none of that gives you life there's got to be more scripture involved in this amen dude that song by the way is unbelievable <laughs> isn't it it's just unbelievable you about to be filled up this morning all right so God's heart, um, I want to show you because we're going next week, uh, Saturday, uh, you're going to see a big portion of that is is on the ark and the, the temple of God that they've recreated. Um, you're going to know some things that like, you know, last week we talked about how Moses uh, splattered blood on all the different furniture in the tabernacle. Uh, you won't see that there because that'd just be gross. <laughs> But it was stained with blood back then. Um, so there's little things. And all those little details matter because they all point to Jesus. And a lot of times you can go to this place and you can hear stuff, but it's it's the old covenant. And it's not for you, right? It, it, so when, when the guy comes up in all his royal regalia costume as the high priest and he starts speaking over you and he's literally speaking the old covenant, you've got to remember that's not for you. <laughs> it was never meant for you. Amen. So uh, it's just it's really cool. I'll come in and clean it all up behind them. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. It's all good. But I love the fact that even our kids in our church, man, they pick up on that stuff, man. And I, how many of you guys wish you knew what you knew now, like when you were that age, a kid, that your life would be completely different. Not not just your life, your relationship with the Lord would be so different, right? But God, like I used to say that to Pastor Dwayne all the time, he's like, hey, man, God gave it to you exactly when he wanted to give it to you, right? And I'm thankful that I received it. So be thankful where you are. But, man, also know that your kids are getting something that we didn't get a long time ago. So it's really affecting their generation. So let's pray before we open up. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is always true. It's always on time. Thank you for blessing us with life. And thank you for blessing us with not just life, but life more abundantly. Thank you for all that you do for us, through us, in us. God, it's all from you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. May his name be glorified and lifted up more than any other today uh, as you speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, Bobby and Pastor Dwayne, can you all lift this up for me? So we, you guys know I love when I get to use props, right? Usually I'm the prop. Because I know how good I look. Thank you, guys. But, yeah, that's perfect. So what you're going to see, guys, what you're going to see uh, is they have a, a, repli a replica of the temple and where you would enter from this side, right? And you're going to go into a room, and there's going to be some furniture in that room. There's going to be a, a menorah stand on the left. There's going to be a table of showbread on the right. And then right before you get into the Holy of Holies, you're going to see the uh the altar of incense it's it's a really cool uh uh replica of of how god put it out i mean they put a lot of detail into it and uh before we get started i want to show you this we'll start here this is uh talking about david okay i want to show you something real quick and when he had removed him right he raised up for them david as king saul got removed david came in to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Now, did David fail? Yes. yes. So what makes David a man after God's own heart? What does that mean? As a lot of people say, I've heard it said this way before, that David was quick to repent. And that's why he's a man after God's own heart. 
Well, when David found this out in Second Chronicles, it was before he he slipped up with, you know, that other girl. <laughs> so uh, it's it can't be that because God's no respecter of persons. But what made God say that David was a man after his own heart? What is God's heart? Doesn't that beg that question? What is his heart? What is his heart for people? What is his heart in general? So I want to show you this. There was one nation back then that was God's chosen nation, right? And within that nation, there was one city that was God's chosen city, right? Jerusalem. Within that city, there was one place that God honed in on. And that was the tabernacle, which you'll see next Saturday. Um, and in that tabernacle, there was one place where God's presence was found, and that was the Holy of Holies. Yeah? There was one piece of furniture in the Holy of Holies. And it was that ark. It was that ark. And I want to show you this. If you go to Psalm 132, this is, this is uh, David saying this. He says, Lord, remember David and all his afflictions. How he swore to the Lord and he bowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Now, what is he talking about? A place for the Lord. See, David realized that something was missing in Jerusalem. It was the ark of the covenant it was in the woods right so david wanted to bring it back see behold we heard of it in ephratha that's bethlehem right we found it in the fields of the woods he he realized one day hey the presence of god is not here and i will not go to sleep until i bring it here and he did and so he went after so god's heart his heart was in the holy of holies and it was found here it was found in the ark of the covenant are you with me all right so let's look at some scripture where this is this is exodus 25 and they shall make an ark of a kale wood two and a half cubits shall be its length a cubit and a half its width and a cubit and a half its height and you shall overlay it with pure gold see what i want you to see is jesus this is this is a picture of jesus this whole thing god's heart i'm just gonna tell you is jesus this whole thing is a picture of Jesus. It's wood, which represents humanity. Jesus was 100% man. But it's also gold, which represents divinity. Which Jesus was 100% God. He's both. Remember, I told you guys, math doesn't make sense down here. <laughs> to some people, unless you get it. I get it. I'm like, Lord, I love your math. <laughs> the more I give, the more I get. That's what his math is. Hey, listen, so his heart is in this. This represents Jesus. Everything about it, the wood, the gold, it's overlaid with gold. Uh, it shall make and uh, make on it a molding of gold all around it. This is uh, the Ark of the Covenant is the heart of God. OK, uh, you go down a little bit. Verse 17, you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. A mercy seat, two and a half cubits shall be its length and a cubit and a half its width. And you shall make two cherubim of gold. This is what you were talking about, Paul, who took my sermon. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> it's crazy how God puts everything on. Like, we don't talk. He picks the songs. No one tells Paul what to say. No one tells any of the testimony people what to say. But God makes it all like it's all about what he wants it to be that morning. I love it, man. It fires me up. All right, uh, and you shall make two cherubim of gold of hammered work. You shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. The mercy seat was hammered gold, hammered gold. Beaten is the word in Hebrew. Your savior is your mercy seat, and he was beaten for you. Amen? See how all this points to Jesus. It's all about Jesus, always been about Jesus. And he said, make two cherubim at one end and the other cherubim at the other end. You shall make the cherubim at the two ends of it and of one piece with the mercy seat. So the lid, which we don't have yet, <laughs> we're going to have it one day, the gold. 
we're just going to need y'all to put a little more in the offering plate. <laughs> I'm going to need all your necklaces, all your watches. <laughs> Don't hide it. Don't be tucking it in your shirt. I saw it already. You can't hide nothing but the Lord. <laughs> yeah, I want none of that fake junk either. <laughs> Listen, let's get back to this here. So, the whole thing, the whole lid was one solid piece of gold with the two cherubim, their wings over over the the mercy seat. The mercy seat was on top. Amen. Um. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. So the faces of the cherubim, the cherubim, by the way, first mentioned in the Bible, uh, were guarding the, the Garden of Eden so that man couldn't get back in. They are the eyes of God, the holy eyes of God. Okay? They were guarding that thing. Uh, they and. It, so you see them here too. You always want to find out where they were first mentioned because that gives you an idea of what they are. So they're God's eyes of holiness, right? But notice that they're they're facing toward the mercy seat. As Paul was saying, they're not facing toward the one who is bringing the offering. They're facing the offering. Amen? So God's eyes for us today are on Jesus. They're not on us. As Paul said, the high priest never looked at the person bringing the offering. Because everybody knew why he was there. He was a sinner. But the inspection was how good the lamb was. That the lamb was perfect. So the question for us today is not how good we are, but how good is your lamb? How good is your sacrifice? He's perfect. Yeah. And that's what God sees. Amen? So that's important about the cherubim facing down uh, toward the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you. So there's three items inside the ark, okay? Three items. By the way, if this was real, you would never want to lift this up. Who saw Indiana Jones? I'm still creeped out by all that nonsense. I'm like, don't look, don't look. So what we have in here are two tablets of stone. Two tablets. So... The, the, the Ten Commandments was put into the ark. Amen? And, uh, well, it, it says that, put the testimony. That's talking about the Ten Commandments. And then it says, and there, and oh, by the way, th this is important, guys. And there I will meet with you. Where? On the mercy seat. That's where God meets with us, at the mercy seat. The Bible actually tells us who our mercy seat is today. His name is Jesus, right? So God meets with us with Jesus. Jesus represents us. He's perfect. And as he is, so are we in this world. So that's why God says come boldly. See, Satan wants you to look at your sin or yourself. And God says, no, look at your Savior. Because that's who I'm listening to. That's who I'm looking at. You don't want him looking at you. Amen? <laughs> Aren't you glad you have a Savior, an advocate for when you sin? Yeah, that's Jesus. All glory goes to Jesus. Right? There I will speak with you from above the mercy seat. So you're going to see next Saturday that when the high priest goes in there and he does his thing with the blood, that there's going to be this, it's going to scare somebody. I'm just going to warn you. It's like this big boom and there's smoke and it's God and there's thunder and all that stuff, right? And, and that's where God would meet me. God even says in the Bible that tell Aaron not to go in there until I tell him and I'll meet with him there in a cloud of smoke. So that's why, that's where they get that from. Um, between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony, but about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. Okay? This is the first, uh, you remember this is the second time. So Moses gave the law twice, right? He came down, they broke the first one already. They, they made a calf of all the, th a mermaid or something would have been cool. They made a cow. <laughs> they worship a cow. That's how crazy people can get right so moses was the first to break all ten commandments at once he threw them suckers down boy in fact god called it a good thing you know why because if he had brought that down there everybody would have died that's how holy the law was so he broke them so so god said come back up so he comes back up 
And now God's telling them about all the stuff that he wants in the temple. This whole thing, I did a message on this. This whole thing that when Moses' second trip back up that mountain was all about Jesus. It was all about the grace of God. That God was, it, it, see, the first time he gave law, it was straight law. Second time he gave it, it was tempered with grace. Because he said to put it in the ark. God didn't want the ark, expo- uh, the, test, the Ten Commandments exposed. Because he knew it would kill the people. Amen? All right. Um, numbers, check out numbers. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold, a rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, had produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. That's a heck of a rod, right? See, the people rejected, they rejected Aaron being their high priest. They wanted to choose their own high priest. And God said, really? So everybody had to throw their staff in. Well, Aaron's staff produced life. It's a, it's a, it's a cutoff stick. And God calls, calls it to be resurrected. Amen? So it brought forth and produced blossom, yielded almonds. Then Moses brought out all the rods from, the, from before the Lord and all the children of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his rod. Can you imagine losing that bet? <laughs> You'd be grabbing your rod, and there'll be all the rods there. Like, that ain't my rod. I left mine at the house. Like, whose rod is this? It ain't mine. I ain't taking that thing, bro. All right, let's keep going. And the Lord said to Moses, bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels, the people that rejected his appointed leadership, that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. So put it in the ark. Put it in the ark. This represents their complaints against him. So he didn't see it. Are you with me? So the Ten Commandments are man's rejection of God's standards. No one can keep them. The rod is man's rejection of God's appointed leadership in the church. Next time y'all complain about a brother, just want you to remember that. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Lest they die. (laughs) That ain't for you. (laughs) Now, let's look at this, Exodus 16. And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin. That's interesting, amen. Uh, Which is between Elam and, and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we were slaves, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out here into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now God just parted a big old sea. Like did a, most of us would still be going, can you believe God? And then saw it crush the enemy, right? Isn't it funny when people get hungry? They turn into different people. All the ladies are saying amen right now, right? <laughs> yeah, you let a man get hungry. So not that it's your job to feed them. All right, don't send me an email saying that was chauvinistic. All right, I, it, I, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain judgment down on their behinds. No. Bread from heaven. See, people were complaining. Normally, that would have been a time for God to say, You see some little Jew guy go, (laughs) But he doesn't. You know why? Look, Exodus 16, the law hadn't been given yet. This is before the law was given. Exodus 20 is when the law was given. This is a period of grace. So even when these people were complaining against God, God didn't rain judgment. He rained bread, manna, favor, life down on them. Amen? So he rained bread down on them, and the people uh, shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Right? Because the law had been given yet. 
You drop down. Uh, as the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. So here's the third item in the Ark of the Covenant. It's a jar of little Debbie's. You know why? Because the Bible says it tasted like angel food, angel cake. It was sweet, but it came every morning, right? So this is man's rejection of God's provision. Man's rejection. Who's life for us today, guys? Jesus. Remember I told you that people aren't going to hell because of sin. They're going to hell because they reject God's provision, his life. Amen. So God said, put all these things. All these things, all of man's rejection into the Ark of the Covenant and cover it with the mercy seat so he cannot see man's rejection. Instead, he sees the blood on the mercy seat. Amen? So he doesn't want the law exposed because he knows what it does to us. It's the ministry of death and condemnation. He wants to see the blood. There's one thing God's eyes cannot see through, and that is the blood of Jesus, which covers us. I love how the cherubim are facing down, looking at the blood, the sacrifice, and not at the person bringing it. It's a beautiful thing. The wings cover it. Under the shelf of his wings, we're protected. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Hebrews even talks about it, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded and the and the tablets of the covenant. Those three items are in there. Man's rejection, man's rejection, man's rejection. Right. And then look at Exodus 26, 34. You shall put the mercy seat upon the Ark of the Testimony in the most holy. That's where this piece of furniture is. In the holy of holies. And the high priest can only go in there once a year and, and make uh, consecration for the people he represents. In other words, if the priest was good, they were going to have a good year. Yom Kippur, they were going to have a, abundant crops. Their, their wombs would be fruitful. Everything. If the high priest was perfect, they were perfect. But if the high priest wasn't perfect, they had a little rope tied to his ankle. If some, with bells on it in case in case he fell and died. Listen, how many of y'all would want to be a high priest back in the day? You talk about some serious pressure. The night before Yom Kippur. <laughs> you, you're trying to remember all kinds of stuff. Right? It, that you talk about pressure. But listen, our high priest is perfect. We are under the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, why is it Melchizedek and not Aaron. Aaron is the high priest. But Melchizedek is a priest who only blessed. Melchizedek would bless. I mean, uh, Aaron would bless or curse, depending on how your actions were. Melchizedek only blessed. That's why we are under the high priest of Melchizedek, which is Jesus. We only receive the blessings of Abraham, not the curses. Amen. Praise the Lord. So God didn't want the law exposed. He knew what it would do, right? So another thing I want you to see, Galatians 5, 3 and 4. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You want to keep the law, you got to keep the whole law. You break one, you break them all, right? Uh, you have become estranged. That means separated from Christ. Bad thing, amen? You who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. Now, the TV media will tell you that anytime a pastor hooks up with a prostitute, he fell from grace. Right? <laughs> no. How do you fall from grace according to Scripture? Go back to the law. You want to be justified by your actions. Right? And listen, you fall from grace. That implies that grace is higher than the law. So this is what some churches do, and this is what I used to do as a pastor. But the Lord called me out from that. I would lift up the mercy seat and bring the law back out. In other words, I would remove the finished work of Jesus in order to help Jesus finish the work. 
<laughs> by me keeping the law. Grace is higher than the law. In fact, the word for ark, guys, is first used in Genesis where they buried Joseph. They buried Joseph in a coffin. The word for coffin is a room. The same word for ark. So God said, put all a man's rejection in the coffin and put the mercy seat on top of it. That's where I'll meet with you. Aren't you glad he doesn't meet with us in the coffin? Yeah, he came to give us life, man. So you fall from grace by going back to the law. Anybody want to do that? Nope, not me either. Um, I want to tell. I want to show you now. Jesus is that's who represents Jesus, right? The ark, or I should say, the ark is a representation of Jesus because he was around before the ark. Amen. So I want to show you where the law, because I've been accused of that. I've been accused of preaching all grace and no truth, not a lot of truth with it. And I'm like, first verse that comes to mind is the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. So grace and truth are on the same side, and they're on the side of Jesus. The law is on the side of Moses. The Bible says that Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. In fact, it says Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. Right? So scripture is on my side when I say that. But I've been accused of this whole grace, prosperity gospel thing. And you know what? I'm okay with it because I'm in good company. Paul was treated that way. Jesus was treated that way. And my heart used to be angry and want to come out and smack people upside the head with the Bible. But that would not have produced any life or any repentance, anybody changing their mind because the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to change their mind. And so God has also worked with me in that area as far as, man, it, it almost breaks my heart that some of the people I know and I respect and I love are preaching from the old covenant. They just don't know. Remember, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And it was religious people who were putting him on the cross at that time. So have a heart for those people. Pray. And listen, this is going to be hard to swallow if you're like me. Sometimes it's not your job to change their mind. Yeah. I tell my wife that all the time. I'm like, look, baby, it ain't your job to change my mind. And then I end up saying, okay, baby. <laughs> all right. So I want to show you an example of where the law tried to come against grace in the story of Jesus. Now, this is beautiful. Now, early in the morning, he came again to the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Jesus is teaching in the temple, right? And, and then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they put her sin in the midst, in the middle, in the center. Remember, David was after God's heart. Your heart is the center of everything you are. To God, Jesus is the center of everything, right? When you put Jesus in the midst, in the center, you have life, you have peace. This thing was in the center of God's heart, the only piece of furniture in the, in the Holy of Holies, and it represents Jesus. So they, they tried to put sin. That's what religion does. Religion always puts sin in the middle, puts sin up front and in the middle. Amen? It's always sin, sin. You did this, you did that. You, you should be ashamed. You, you, you. And put it, anytime you hear you coming from here, you're under the old covenant. When you hear him, you're in the new covenant. Because he represents you. He took your place. Amen? So they tried to put sin in the middle. They put the woman's sin, put it in the midst, right? And they said to him, teacher, this woman caught in adultery in the very act. Funny how they knew that. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What say you? They're going to play this out next Saturday. This is actually one of the roles that they, the, the plays that they do. And it's powerful, man. Powerful. So they tried to throw the law. Jesus like, I wrote that. You mean it came from Moses? I authored it. The one that gave it to him. 
He did not say that. Then they said, testing him. See, it had nothing to do with the law, had nothing to do with grace. They were testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. That's why when people do that to me, I'm like, thank you. Bring it on because I'm in good company. And it's not going to affect me. I know who I am. I know what I'm standing on. The word. Let them say stuff. They said stuff about Paul and Jesus. Consider that joy. All right. So when they. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear him. That'll tick some people off. The Bible says a kind word turns away wrath. It does. And so when someone's at you. And you just act like you didn't hear him. Sometimes I think Jesus knew what he was doing. <laughs> but see, that's a natural way of thinking. Our, our Lord, Jesus, didn't think that way. Because he had a heart for people. But he hated religion because of what it did. Because they tried to put sin in the middle. So, so they continued asking him. Uh, and he raised himself up and said to them, he raised himself up. Right. So he went down one time, was writing, raised himself up with me uh, and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. So no one could ever answer something like that, because if he said, yeah, stoner, then they knew the people would be like, I thought you were our hope. And if he said, no, don't stoner, then he would be saying, well, the law is not perfect. The law is of God. Right. So they, they thought they had him. Only Jesus could answer something like this, right? He did it with love, with grace. He said, let him, it was that stone, throw the first stone at him, right? And again, he stooped down. So he stooped down twice and he wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. So Bobby, you would be the first one to go, brother. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Y'all don't know this. Bobby's only like 35 years old, man. <laughs> all right uh they went out one by one beginning the oldest of that and jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst the woman standing in the midst he was alone with her so she's standing in the midst who else is in the midst with her right now jesus and so he gave. remember moses got the law twice god gave the law twice moses came down it was straight law straight law couldn't do anything for anybody Jesus, the first time he stooped down, came back up, straight law. No one could do anything. The second time Moses came down with the law, it was tempered with grace. It was put in the ark so nobody could, so it wouldn't be exposed for people. The second time Jesus stooped down, it's tempered with grace. And now it's just him and that woman in the middle. Just him and that woman in the middle. And this is what I love, right? When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? This woman thought she was going to die. She's probably bawling her hair wet and, and stuck together, right? Can you, she was caught in the act, probably didn't have time to get ready to go come get stoned. Everybody knows why she's there. The guilt, the shame that's on this woman. That's why Jesus loves sinners. All those people, religious people, wanted to throw a stone at her, but they couldn't. The only one that could, wouldn't. He said, where are those accusers of yours? Where are those, has anyone condemned you? She said, no, Lord. No one, Lord. See, she, now she calls him Lord. She felt that grace, that love. No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. It's almost as if the thing that helps you go and sin no more is to understand that Jesus doesn't condemn you. It's like the church has it backwards. They're like, stop sinning and there will be no condemnation. And Jesus is like, no, my way is I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Isn't that beautiful, man? 
So behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of the woods. Talking about this Ark of the Covenant. That's, that's the heart of God. David knew that secret. He went and got it. God blessed David. God said, that's a man after my heart. After my heart. Who's the heart of God? Jesus. And, and, and that represented Jesus. And David figured that out. Went and got it. Brought it back. Danced out of his clothes. Butt naked. We're going to have to edit that part out. Same chapter, same chapter, verse 13. Are y'all learning? Are y'all enjoying this? Y'all got life? Look, for the Lord has chosen Zion. Zion. What, what did the Lord choose? Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. David went and got this, brought it back to Zion. Now, there's a, there's a big mountain range, Mount Moriah, big mountain range. The highest peak on Mount Zion is Mount Calvary where Jesus was crucified. That's the mountain that God chose for his dwelling place. Not Mount Sinai. That's also a mountain region in, in the mountain Moriah region. But he chose Zion. He chose grace and not the law for his dwelling place. That's why Hebrews 12 tells you, hey, I'm over here on Mount Zion, not on Mount Sinai. That's, in, in fact, that's where we are today. Some churches are still preaching from Mount Sinai. Preaching death, condemnation, putting it back on the people. This church will always speak from Mount Zion. Because that's where our Lord is. Whoa! This is my resting place for how long, church? Forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. God's desires dwell on Mount Zion forever. Love that. We need to bring Jesus back to the center of the church. We need to get rid of religion. Get rid of what you need to do and how you need to do it. Get rid of putting sin in the midst like those religious leaders did and put Jesus back in the middle of the church. Revelation 3.20. We use this verse for sinners. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. But you know what? This isn't written to sinners. This is written to a church. What in the heck is Jesus doing outside knocking on the door of a church? He should be in here. He's in here. Don't get me wrong. He's in here. But he's talking about a church here, not an unsaved person. He's outside the doors knocking to get in. You know why? Because religion has pushed him out. Religions push Jesus out. We need to bring him back in. We need to bring the ark back into the center of the church. How many of y'all want to dance? Anybody? That should make you want to dance like David. <laughs> if you're visiting, don't. That normally doesn't happen. Listen to this about the law real quick. You are our epistles written on our where? On our hearts. You know why? Because that's the center of us. That's the center of us, our hearts. Written on our hearts and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is of the heart. The heart, Jesus is our, Jesus represents us. People use old verses like our, our heart is corruptible. Man, that's not for me. That's old covenant. My heart is perfect, pure. You know why? Because Jesus is me now. He's in me. There can't be no incorruptible stuff in me. If Jesus is in me. So I love the fact that the heart, the heart is the center. He's like, it's not the law. It's the heart, right? Um, and we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. So God makes you sufficient for this new covenant, not the old covenant, right? Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the? That's crazy how I prophesied that, right? Not of the letter, of, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. When the first Pentecost, when Moses came down with the law, the first one, 
He broke them. How many people died? Bible says specifically 3,000 when God gave the letter. But in Acts chapter 2, when God gave not the law, but the spirit, how many people got saved? Bible says 3,000. That's why the letter kills. The spirit gives life. Right? Um, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones, what is that church? That's the Ten Commandments. So when somebody gets up here and preaches from the Ten Commandments, they're ministering death. Was glorious. like It was glory. Listen, the law is holy. I don't have a problem with the law. Because uh, the law is holy. I'm not against the law. I'm for the law for the reason God gave the law. To point us to Jesus. That's exactly right. Uh, so it had glory, it was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? This new covenant is more glorious. Amen? I love that. Moses came down, his face was shining. And people were afraid of it. It was a shine of, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. Because he had the law. And even his own brother Aaron ran from him. But when Jesus came down the Mount of Transfiguration, his face was glowing. But his face was glowing with a new covenant. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. And everybody came running to him. I mean, you take that and smoke it. Listen, that's life. That's what we need to hear more of. Don't smoke anything. Oh, good Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Uh, for if the ministry of condemnation, not only was it a ministry of death, but it's a ministry of condemnation. The law condemns us, condemns the best of us. No one can keep it. So next time you get a little flyer at Sonny's on the window that says, hey, come and uh, hear this guy is going to be speaking on the ministry of death and condemnation. You know, you might want to think twice about going like that. That ain't for me. No one wants to hear that. How many of you guys went to other churches like I did? And I used to be the guy speaking death and condemnation. And you felt that. You felt like you weren't doing enough. You're not good enough. That your past does matter. It doesn't matter in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Don't let anybody remind you of your past. A new creation, right? Uh, condemnation had glory. The ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech like I'm doing right now, right? Unlike Moses, who had to put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. That should make you go. Because the veil is taken away only in Christ. Listen, the veil was torn when we came into the new covenant. When he said it is finished, that was the first thing that happened. We came into a new covenant. Still today, when Moses is read, people have a veil there between them and God. Because it can only be taken away in Christ. You feel so far, when you're, when you're focused on your sin and your failures, you feel like you can't talk to God. And that's, that's, that's how you know you're under the old covenant. But under the new covenant, when you realize what Christ has done, you can go boldly to his throne room. But even to this day, when Moses is read, Moses, guys, is the first five books of the Bible. Moses represents the law. The law was given through Moses. First five books, Pentateuch, right? Even when that's read today, if I was sitting up here reading it to you today, there would be a veil on your heart, on your heart, the center of everything you are. Do you have the law in your heart or do you have Christ in your heart? Yeah. So, so nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. 
When you see what Christ has done for you, that veil between you and God is gone. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Do I look like I'm locked now? Well, I mean married-wise I am. But listen, I'm free. Some people say, man, it's tough to be a Christian. No, it's impossible to be a Christian. That's why Jesus represents me and has made me a Christ-like follower. That Listen, I am a, a little Christian, and whatever you want to say, it's all because of Jesus. He did it for me. I ain't trying to do it. I can't. He did it for me, and I'm free. Free. If a religious person came in here with 16 doctorates in the name, Doctor, 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 you know, MD, SD, whatever you want, all those little initial things. Listen, I, it, they wouldn't bother me because I know who I am. And it's not a prideful thing. All glory goes to Jesus. There's no way 20 years ago I would be doing this because I was so scared to do anything because I was always looking at my sin, my past. But I'm free. And so are you. All right, we're almost done. Y'all getting this? Oh, but even if our gospel is veiled, even if it's veiled, right? It is, is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. That's a small G, little G, the little. Psh. <laughs> now, now we're going to think of Satan as being that little guy. <laughs> With his little single shot. <laughs> <laughs> anybody ever see Harlem Nights <laughs> don't go watch it <laughs> you just got it though you know what I'm talking about anyway listen listen the small g of this age is blinded Satan has blinded the people's eyes to the good news you see that the gospel not the, the law but to the gospel why would Satan not want people to see the good news? The good news is, hey, it's not about what you do anymore. It's about what Jesus did for you. That's, that's the gospel. Why would Satan not want that to happen, right? Uh, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Satan does not want you to see the gospel. He doesn't want you to see that, hey, you're not judged by the law anymore. You're judged on the mercy seat. By the way, Jesus was your payment. That's the gospel. Praise the Lord. Hey, let Christ have the center place in your heart. We got to let him have it. Yeah, listen, the reason why marriages fall apart is because Christ isn't the center. He's not the center. He's got to be in the midst, the middle, the center of everything we do, including the church. We got to bring him back. Just like God, David brought the ark back, God's heart, put it in the Holy of Holies. We got to bring Jesus back into the center of the church. Also, into the center of our lives. Our lives. Here, a few more verses, we're almost done. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I'm going to have a million dollars one day. Bam. I'd be doing this a long, you know. <laughs> Do you think it means all that stuff? Listen, it can be. But what I'm telling you is when your heart has got Jesus in the middle, all this other stuff, it, it'll be taken care of. Whatever you need will be supplied. Whatever you want, whatever you need, you only get what you need. You don't get what you want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. <laughs> no, man. All right. Anyway. Uh, but it, it, you got to understand, it's not about what you want or need. It's about him being your supplier. Everybody understand what I'm saying? All right. For where two or three are gathered there together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. When you put Jesus in the center of your marriage, you will have the marriage you want. When you put Jesus in the center of your workplace, you will be blessed beyond measure, beyond measure, like, like your pastors were last year. We didn't think we deserved it because we know, hey, listen, I shouldn't say we didn't think we deserve. I, I know I deserve stuff because of what Jesus has done for me, not because of what I do for myself. Does that make sense to you guys? But when you know that he's in the midst, when he's there in the midst of whatever you're doing, it will be blessed. Because that's what he does. He's a blesser. Boom. All right. 
um, Ephesians, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. That's the key. Got to be rooted and grounded in love. And when you do that, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ. You want to know how much Christ loves you? Be rooted and grounded in his love. Right? Which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. People say you got to be, you got to be more holy. You got to get the fullness of God. You're going to get the fullness of God. Well, you can't do that unless you're rooted and grounded in his love. Rooted and grounded means I'm not moving, right? I'm not doing anything. I'm rooted and grounded and just receiving. That's what trees do. They receive rain. Amen. Sun, all that stuff. All they got to do is be rooted and grounded. That's all we're called to do. Amen. Boom. You're done here. 15. I, hey, are you enjoying this? And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in your dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing. That means warning gently uh, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Listen, that grace is not a word. It's not a teaching. It's a person. You put Jesus in your heart. Again, the center of all everything. Jesus has got to be in the midst of your heart. Last two, John 19, all right? And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. So even when he went to the cross, guys, he was in the midst. He was in the midst, even at the cross. I love that. What about when he rose from the dead? Well, let's check this out. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. Not why are y'all scared? I told you. Get up, fool. Ye of no faith. No, he said, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They were glad when Jesus put himself back in the midst of them, right? He didn't open a door. He didn't open a window. He just surprise right they were scared are you guys scared are you scared about next week are you scared about some bills coming up are you scared about a family member well let me just tell you this put jesus back in the middle of your heart and you will have peace peace that is paid for see the peace word there shalom isn't that beautiful shalom he said shalom how would jesus have talked to his hebrew buddies in English, yo, peace, dog. No, shalom, right? And then he showed him what? So shalom, the root word, as you guys know, is shalem, which means to pay for. So he literally said, your peace has been paid for. Amen? You think that's there by chance? No, God wants us to know that. Bring Jesus back in the midst of your life. When you do that, church, when you bring Jesus back into the midst of your life, you will see prosperity manifested. And I don't mean like wealth, 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 wealth. I'm talking about your soul will prosper. Your emotions will prosper. Your job will prosper. You will prosper. You will cause people to prosper because Jesus is in you. You will go to a restaurant that has nobody in it. And all of a sudden you look around and the restaurant is blessed because you are there. Wherever your feet touch, wherever your hands touch, wherever your eyes look at, will be blessed. And it has nothing to do with you. It's all about Jesus in you. I've seen it happen in my own life. You know, what, you know what's even more awesome? Is when your son sees it happen and he points it out to you. He's like, Dad, there was nobody in here. Now look at this place. Man, I'm talking about 
Judah said that to the guy at most. He's, he said that to the guy at most making our, our, our burritos. And that guy ended up buying our whole family's uh, lunch. And Judah goes, wow, dad, that really works. <laughs> and I was like, wow, dad, that really works. <laughs> Hey, man, the word is truth. Amen. Hey, stand up and give Jesus all the praise, all the glory. He's the only one. So I hope you guys saw the main point of the message is bring Jesus back to the center of all of our lives, right here in our hearts, man. When we do that, we prosper in all things, all things. And, and you know that this church, it, we, we, we put Jesus in the middle of this church. Not just your pastors, but every single one of you guys that are here. We know where our blessings come from. We know where our life comes from. If you don't know Jesus, man, I would love to pray a prayer with you before you leave. Listen, it, we don't make you come down here at the altar. <laughs> we, it's a simple prayer, and I'll lead you through that, man. And, and the Bible says you will be saved. Amen. You shall be saved right there, right where you're at. And so if that's you, please find me. I'd love to do that with you. Um, if you have a prayer request, you can also come and find us. We'll pray with you. We've done that. You, you heard the testimonies that are coming out of this place. Man, it is unbelievable how good God is. Unbelievable. I just sometimes I have to pull over. And, and just when I'm playing, man, I see a miracle walk in. I'm, I just break down, not because I'm sad. I mean, I am so joyful inside that I can't contain my emotions. It's unbelievable how good he is. I'll, we'll pray with you, man. Guys, no respect for persons. We got oil. We'll do it. We believe in it wholeheartedly. And if that's you, please find us. Um, if you're looking for a church, this is who we are. It's what we believe. It's what you're going to hear every Sunday. Every Sunday. No matter who's up here preaching. Because that's just who we are. That's who the Lord has called us to be. And it's changing lives. I, I love the fact that there was a, a woman that come to our, came to our church. And she left. She'd come back in. She'd go. She'd come back in. Afterwards, she said, listen, I'm sorry. I, I had to have a cigarette. And you know what I said to her? I said, every time you take a puff of that cigarette, I want you to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Every time. And it changed her. Last night, I overheard her inviting her brother who was smoking with her to church. That's what grace does. It changes people. Most people say, hey, don't come back if you're going to be smoking. And not here. We're all sinners saved by grace. And at the end of every service, we bring our Pastor Dwayne up here, and he blesses us as we leave. We are blessed coming in, and he's going to bless us going out with the word. The way we receive that, by the way, church, is by saying amen. amen. You say amen, not just at the end of the prayer, but when something strikes you in your spirit, say amen right there. Because you're saying, I agree with that, may it be unto me. Amen. That's the way the, the, the word of God works in our lives. So receive it by saying amen, church. Amen? Amen. amen. Um, before we pray, I just want to make one last okay. announcement. Um, Nikisha and I will not be here next Wednesday because we will be out of town um, supporting my nephew at his graduation in Jacksonville. So um, we will not have Children's Church on Wednesday. And um, I'll speak, I'll communicate to the men about men's group for next week. So, all right. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bless your holy name, God. We thank you, Lord, for your word today. We thank you, God, for reminding us uh, of your heart, Father. We thank you, Father, for your heart being Jesus. God, thank you for revealing that to us, God. And we thank you for reminding us to, to make sure that we put Jesus in the center of it all, Father. No matter what it is that we're doing, Father. Lord, we just thank you for your love for us. We thank you, Father, for your provision that you've made for us, God. We thank you, Lord, for the mercy seat. We thank you, Father, for meeting with us on the mercy seat. We thank you for making Jesus the mercy seat for us, Father. We thank you for his blood that was poured out for us. We thank you, Father, that when you, when you, you, you look at us, Father, you look at us through the blood of Jesus. You see us as you see him. For your word says, uh, as he is, so are we in this earth. And so, Father, we just bless your name, God. We thank you. We honor you. We magnify your name. We thank you for the opportunity to come into this place uh, freely, Father, and uninhabited, Father, to just worship you today, God, and to receive uh, from you and to just rest in your presence, Father. We ask, God, that you just continue, Father, to keep your hand upon us, Father, continue to order our steps, 
continue to give us divine appointments, Father, with others, Lord, so we can take this good news that we receive in this house and take it out, Father, uh, as your disciples, Jesus, and, and share the good news to spread the word about you and your love for all of humanity. We thank you, Jesus, that, uh, that you came and you died for all of us. We thank you that all sin has been forgiven. We thank you for the shed blood of Christ. We thank you, Father, uh, that because of him, we have access to you and so that we can come boldly to your throne of grace. And so, Father, we thank you for your grace being so sufficient and so abundantly supplied in our lives, God. We ask now, Father, that that favor would go before us and make every path straight, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're dismissed.